welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. I will uh, invite everybody to have a seat. We don't have any cool video to kind of start it off because I'm not talking about Hebrews, so I figured it would be a bad start to lie to you. So I'll just encourage you all to have a seat. Whenever Micah sits in a chair, it's because he's like breaking some hard news or something. But if you think Micah's animated, I'm just doing it to tether me to this one location. So just don't be worried about that. My name is Chris Kimston. I'm an intern here at Awaken and a seminary student at Bethel Seminary getting my master's there. Micah is away for the morning. He is preaching at, ironically, the same church he was at the last time I shared with you. And everything's okay. He's just... Uh, doing a little swap here. So we're going to take a break from Hebrews, like I said, but we're still going to talk about something that Micah talked about last week, which was encouragement, especially focusing in on being encouraged amidst struggle, like he did the last few minutes of his last sermon. And I think that that's okay because we um, can use some encouragement, I think, more than one week. So We're going to look at Genesis 1 today. I don't know about you, but Hebrews is often really difficult for me to find in a Bible. It's somewhere in the New Testament, somewhere in the back um, after all of the Gospels. So I'm going to keep it easy today. On my physical Bible, this was literally page 2. So uh, Genesis 1, verses 20 through 23, if you could stand while we read it. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth with this in the sea. Sorry, and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here with you today. We pray that you would help us to, to come to you in times of difficulty. And we would see the goodness amidst the hard things, Lord. We pray for your spirit to be with us as we're here with you today. And God, we pray that your spirit would also be with Micah in Mankato. God, we pray for Micah's family still and his brother as he heals. And any of us that might be dealing with some kind of loss or struggle, God, pray that your spirit would be with us. We would know your presence and that we would be the people we were created to be. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So, we are on day five of creation. We've kind of plopped ourselves right there, and the previous four days, God's given us a lot of things. He's created for four days. He'll create for this fifth day. We have one more day after that, and then, of course, on day seven, God kicked up his feet and watched a season of Gilmore Girls on Netflix, and uh, it's in the original Hebrew, I promise, Um, but the previous four days, he's given us some lots and lots of things among the things are mentioned in the Bible are light, sky, ground, sea, plants, trees, and fruit. But not only has he given us things, he's given us um, these concepts to understand how these things are to exist. He's given us things like separation, saying that this thing is here and this other thing is here. They're not all one thing. 
has given us distinction, saying that this thing over here is actually a different thing than this thing over here. And then he's also given us replication, that is to say that when this thing is in covenant with another thing that is like it, according to its kind, like Genesis says, then it's able to make more of itself. And so it's by these things, these rules that he started to set out that we understand the way that the world works. On day five, though, these creations that he makes are something that's very different than before. See, before he's kind of created what we consider to be landscape pieces. He's created life and replication, things that can sustain themselves and reproduce in the form of plants. But on day five here, there's, they're different. They're still alive, but not maybe in the same way. These things move freely around the world. They have blood in their veins and a heart that pumps that through. They breathe in the surrounding atmosphere, whether that's the sea or the sky. And the nature of these new things open the world up to an infinite number of new possibilities. We're going to focus on one particular group that's mentioned in uh, this, this passage that we just read. The, um, I don't know about you guys, but for the Genesis creation story, a lot of times people kind of make it out to be the it's a small world after all, right, on Disney World, where everything's really happy and everything's just kind of dancing. With, and um, I actually have a children's Bible that depicts the Genesis 1 creation. There's like a tiger laying with a deer and like a monkey, and they're just like snuggling, and everything's really, really nice. And I'm going to challenge that just slightly um, to say that there's something maybe a little bit different going on. In verse 21, they talk about the great creatures of the sea. The word for great, and you don't have to write any of this down. There won't be a test. But um, just so you know, the Hebrew words for this, so you don't miss Micah too much, Hebrew words are hagdol hafnim, great creatures. And if you have an old translation of the Bible, creatures might actually be translated into whales. Um, we don't know that they're whales. We just know that they're creatures. And great, the uh, hagdol, the modifier, is something that's not usually describing something that is better than good, great, but rather great in size, something that is truly in the most pure sense of the word awesome. It's inspiring awe. We see those things in the world. We have redwood trees. We have big mountains. We have, if you've ever actually seen a whale up close, these things inspire awe. And this is the way that this word is being used. But the word hafnim it's not a whale, and creatures might actually not be quite adequate in order to describe it. A better word, perhaps some scholars have uh, said that monsters might actually be better. These things that are being described are perhaps terrifying. I don't know about you guys, but I am terrified at the notion of the deep sea, of the ocean, the part of the ocean that nobody's seen before, the part where light doesn't even penetrate that deep, there are just things down there that live there. We don't know how big they are. We don't know, even know how they survive. God created them. We haven't seen them since because we can't get down there. And so that's scary to me. And they actually have been different, of course, discussions about what this actually is. Some people say the Leviathan of, or great squids, you know, of myth and things that we don't even know yet. One ancient tradition even describes perhaps a snake 
that its greatness isn't referring to bigness as much as it is to length. So it's a snake that is great in size because it's just turning back in on itself. When we hear a little bit more about snakes later in Genesis, but these things are scary. And what we need to realize is something going on here is God has created the possibility for something to be scary. God's created this possibility of this, these things that we associate with chaos or darkness. And so what do we do with that? It's not, this directly challenges our, it's a small world after all type of everything is friends and cuddling and who knows what the tigers actually eat. They'll eat grass because of course they wouldn't eat other animals. <laughs> it's all pre-fall, right? But we have to decide what we do with that and how God at the end of it sees the potential for this darkness and then at the end of the day still says that it's good. I have to show my cards a little bit. We talked about this specific passage in our covenant groups, which is a little bit like a Bible study. And we hope to kind of spread that to the whole community in general. We're kind of in our test group phase of it. But we're here one morning very early talking to Mike about this. And he, he asked us a question. He said, when did you realize in your life the existence of this darkness, this potential for chaos? When did you realize it? And for me, I think I identified it really as, um, I talked last time about my health struggles and how anxiety played a big role in my life for a while of taking away my love of music and different things I liked to do. And I shared that then, but I more recent circumstances led me to reflect for that. And I, I want to throw out a disclaimer that I'm not somebody who every time I have the opportunity to speak, I'm going to talk about something sad. That's, that's not who I am. Anybody who knows me knows I'm pretty, pretty happy and I'm doing well. I'm just speaking to the larger experience that we've had here as a community. We've had people um, lose parents. We've had um, Micah's brother all of a sudden not be able to move you know, half of his body. And we've been praying for him and be able to do that after he's recovering from surgery, like his brother, that is. It's been a hard time, so I'm just bearing witness to the fact that I found some encouragement and maybe can share it all with you. My recent struggles, I think it, it kind of goes back to last Christmas, not this last one, but the year before. Uh, my future wife at that point, Kelsey, was spending Christmas with my family for the very first time. And more importantly, was spending Christmas away from her family for the very first time. And anybody that knows when, when you are taken out of something that you've done every year before, it's difficult. You, the traditions aren't the same. She, she had, she's usually in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, but had, it was now located in the promised land of Des Moines, Iowa. And she, but it, it was difficult, you know. And so we were, but it, but it was good. We kept going, and we were looking forward to time together with my family, and that morning, I get a phone call at about 7.30 in the morning, and it's my father-in-law, Randy, and he, he calls me, and I pick up the phone, and I say, hey, Randy, Merry Christmas, and he, there's something strange about his voice, and he says, Chris, Paula, who's my mother-in-law, Paula's calling Kelsey right now to tell her that her grandfather's passed away suddenly this morning, and this is Christmas morning. This is the first time she's never been there, and that first time is when this happened, and so I, I said, I'm sorry, and in a way that I was both sorry that that happened, and I almost didn't think I heard him right. And he hung up, and I go, and I look, I hear Kelsey's phone ring. I go, and I see her pick up her phone. She had just picked it up, and she had this look of anticipation and excitement because she's talking to her mom for the first time that she's been away on Christmas, and 
I watch her face go from pure joy and excitement and anticipation to a misunderstanding to just pure sadness. And I realized that that will stick with me forever because this person that I loved more and love more than anything on this earth, I watched her heartbreak. That will forever be etched in my mind. That's when I realized the potential for this chaos and this darkness in this world. And now we, we got through it. We, um, we, it was a beautiful service and it was the first time she'd really lost a grandparent like that. And so we, anybody who knows who's lost a grandparent for the first time and then also lost one on a significant day like Christmas or another holiday knows that with the excitement of the holiday or that significant event, there's also that other side of remembering and of mourning. And so we're coming up to Christmas this year, actually spending it with um, Kelsey's family this year, um, remembering uh, uh, her grandfather. And then a week before Christmas, Paula's mother, on the, the other side then, uh, passes away. We get the call. And so it was the combination of new loss and while exiting the time of mourning. So it was a really difficult c- circumstance. Two weeks after that then, I got a phone call that my, or it was actually a text message from my friend and I didn't believe it. I was home working on schoolwork and I got a text message that my friend from college had all of a sudden passed away. Untimely and nobody knows why, I still don't. They just found him in his house. He he hadn't shown up for work. And I was asked to speak at that funeral and that's a lot of loss to deal with. Well, dealing with the ending of mourning and the new loss and then my friend and then Last time, I promise, two weeks later, my grandmother, I get the call that my grandmother passed away. So within six weeks, we've lost two family members and a a great friend from college. And it makes you wonder, what do you do with that? And something that I've been struggling with recently is uh, some of the language in this Hebrew series that we've struck, that we've been, we've been working with is what we call in seminary triumphant language to to refer to God. You know, God is, God is the ultimate king. Jesus is the, the great redeemer. Everything is made right through him. All very positive things. And I totally agree with that. And it totally resonates with me. But sometimes in the midst of the times that some of us have had this season, that's really hard to hear. And sometimes it even seems a little patronizing. And somebody looks at you and says, well, everything happens for a reason. That'll set you over the edge. <laughs> but Sometimes I don't know what to do with that. This darkness can be so prevalent in our lives. This potential even for darkness. Maybe for you it's not death, but it's struggle. Some sort of thing that's happened in your life. Maybe you had a part in it. Maybe it just happened to you. But it's just difficult sometimes. And how do you get out of that? I wanted to ask a question. Do you know what the shortest verse in the Bible is? Last, the last one, the last uh, service did. Jesus wept, yes. And it's, in case you were looking for it, it's John eleven thirty five, And Jesus wept or Jesus cried. And I think that is the, strangely, one of the most comforting things I've ever read in the Bible. The fact that when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, he didn't buck himself up and say, well, I know about heaven, so it's all good. No, Jesus... 
He, and he didn't discourage any of those around him, accusing them of not having faith because they were sad for their friend. People even criticized him, saying, why isn't he doing anything? The God of the universe, who he more than anything in the world knew everything was going to be okay, he took a second and he wept, what the Bible says, with great sadness. This guy sobbed. He didn't just shed a, one manly tear. He, he, he sobbed. The God that we worship mourns our loss with us. God cares and loves for the same things and people that we do. He's with us in our times of struggle, feeling it right alongside us. We also worship a God of joy. A God of joy and even humor. I, I wanted to point out that Jesus, um, when interacting with the, the then non-disciple, would be a disciple, Nathaniel, they told him, the Messiah is going to come out of Jesus' hometown, which was a rough part. And he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel said, and Jesus said, depending on your translation, said, um, now here is a man, or here is an Israelite, who has no contempt. Basically what Jesus was saying is, now that's a guy I can trust. That's actually a biblical joke. Jesus was, that's actually, Jesus was making a joke. We worship a God who jokes, who has joy. If you look in if you look in our Genesis story, I think we hear, and he said it was good, far too often that it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. God didn't have to do any, any of Genesis. He didn't have to create anything. He didn't need anything. But instead what he did was he made these things out of pure joy and love and outpouring of grace that he just did it. He didn't clock in at eight and clock out at five, saying, oh, well, got that done for today. I made the sky. I guess I can check that off my list. He's, he did it out of just this pure sense of creation and peace that he wanted to bring into this world. When he says it's good, it's not looking at a progress report and saying, it's good, good. That's, that's, I made this, I wrote this, it's good, send it off. It was him at the end of the day sitting back and looking at what he made and saying, man, that's good. Uh, he sees it in the, at the being of what it is and says, that right there is worthwhile. That's good. And that's the joy that brings new life. And it springs up amidst the death or the possibility of it in our lives. And at the end of the day, that joy is what allows him to look and say that that's good. Look at it all and say, it's good. There's life, there's always life amidst death. I'll invite the band back up. But around the time of Kelsey's grandma's death this year, her cousin and his, and his wife um, announced the birth of their first child while we were together mourning her aunt cried tears of joy amidst the loss of both of her parents within a year was crying tears of joy because of new life, life amidst death. I was asked to speak at my friend Dennis's funeral. Um, I did not know that I would be the only one speaking. I did not know that I was giving a eulogy. I had not done it before. I wouldn't think myself the best person to do it. When I'm uncomfortable, I make jokes. And that is not the 
place for that. <laughs> but what I did is I went up there and I did what I knew. I told friends of my, or stories of my friend. Anybody who knows Dennis, everybody has a Dennis story, even if you meet him just once. After, after, this, uh, after the service, we f- half filled this entire restaurant across the street from the church. And everybody was telling De- their, their own Dennis story. And that wasn't because of anything I said, it was because that's who he was. And his life was living on. That sense of life that he had will always live on through the stories and the joy that we share that he gave us. That was life amidst a death. Finally, when my grandma passed away, it seemed like this is enough, right? And I was thinking back to the last time that I that I ever saw her, and it was at my wedding. And my grandma didn't really communicate much anymore. She didn't really speak except sentences, and she's wheelchair-ridden. And so we we push her. It, we're, the plan was just give her to an usher, and they were going to push her down the aisle as we get ready to go. And it's just one more thing to check off the list. We get her ready to go. We pull her out, and she stops them. She says, "Gonna walk." <laughs> and we all looked at each other, and we in our in our minds we all echoed, "How?" <laughs> You haven't walked in a long time. And uh, she got up. Took about four years, but she got up out of that chair, walked right, shuffled right past, because shuffling is the only form of transportation at that point, walked right past the usher and took my arm and said, let's go. So we walked down that aisle. And it, this is the most painfully slow walk I've ever had. People are like looking back at the front, like, are they coming? And... It's the last time that I ever saw my grandma. And I cherish every painful second of that because that was just time that I got to spend with her. And she sat there weeks from the end of her life and watched the beginning of my family's life. Life amidst death. The last bit of life, I'll point out that right there. That is my new puppy that I got yesterday. Kelsey and I adopted this puppy. They asked last service, what is it? We have no idea. Um, she has short little legs like a dachshund, but coloring like a, like a beagle or of some sort. Um, God created the possibility for darkness. And the next day, on day six, he created lots of other things. But while God, at the end of all of creation, created all these dark things, he also made, made that. There's so much darkness sometimes, isn't there? But at the end of it, if you look hard enough, there's life. It took me a long time to be able to look through all of it, those six weeks where I lost three people that I really loved. But it's there. Sometimes there's darkness in our lives. Sometimes we create that darkness and sometimes it just happens. But if our goal as a community and as Christians is to awaken and see the things through God's eyes, then what we need to be able to do is look at the end of it all, seeing the darkness, staring it down, and looking at everything else that we're given and saying, it is good. 
awaken, may we be the people that look for the good things. May we be the people who see the good things amidst all of the dark things that are thrown at us. May we fully live in the life that we're given, even though sometimes it's really hard to see. May we be able to build each other up that need it, to search for that good in each other and also find it in ourselves. It's in your holy and loving name, Jesus. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.